Hey guys, welcome back to another Topics with Tim podcast. Thank you again for joining me. I hope you're having a wonderful day. On today's pod, I'm going to be going into month number two of the Old School Iron Athlete X program I just completed yesterday. And I had a lot of fun with this one. This was definitely a lot more my speed on this one. So before I go into it, just quickly, uh, make sure you are subscribed to my podcast. Therefore, you won't never miss an episode. And please leave me a review. That would really help me grow in the podcast industry. So thank you for listening. So I'm going to get right into it. For those of you workout fans out there who want to know, Old School Iron, Athlean X. Again, I'm going to plug Jeff Cavalier. If you haven't already, go on YouTube, find, search Athlean X, subscribe to his YouTube channel. He brings so much awesome content to the table, so much awesome anatomy to the table, and he will truly help you not only improve physically, but also do it safely and do it without hurting yourself and hurting your joints like other channels might not care so much about that. They're, they're just more into getting gains or trying to sell you their BCAAs, which are a joke, by the way. But not Jeff Cavalier. And there's some other YouTubers out there who are great as well. But I am just reviewing his program currently. So let's talk about month two. Just completed it yesterday. Finished off with a test that was quite challenging. I think I probably bit off a little more than I can chew with some of the weight I was using. But I kind of, whenever I see these workouts, I always want to push a little bit more than what he's saying to do, which I think can be a good thing in a lot of ways, get a little extra credit in. But then there are some times where, you know, it, the, the science even tells us you need to rest. You know, we know that you, your muscles need a good 48 hour break typically before being re-stimulated. It's, it's certain muscle groups that is to allow time for that muscle growth. So there are times, you know, we, we think it's funny. I think people think that, oh, you got to be in the gym every day, three hours a day. But you really don't and you really aren't supposed to because then you you actually hurt your muscle growth over time because your body needs that time to grow and to repair before you re-stimulate those muscles again. So it actually doesn't benefit you at all to work out the same muscle group two days in a row. That's especially if you're doing obviously there's if you go into the gym and do two sets, then obviously you could probably do the next day, go and do two sets again. But if you're doing a, a you know significant workload on one muscle group, then you're good for at least 48 hours before you got it, before you even think about hitting that again, sometimes longer. So there's definitely a lot of science involved. And that's, I think what Jeff also brings to the table is a lot more science behind muscle growth and re-stimulation and kind of give you the timing. And he sets up his plans in that way to give you time to rest certain muscle groups in order to really benefit fully and grow uh, your muscles more the way that that they are designed to grow. So this month was great. Last month, I kind of had some complaints. I did love the strength training aspect of it. You're pretty much just working out three days a week with two days where you could go and do abs and some corrective exercises. But the main three lifting days, obviously it was total body. You would hit the main lifts and you would rest a lot. And I was, I was resting three to four minutes in between sets of my sets of five, which was part of the plan. And I realized that was just way too long for me. It just, I just, I'm, you know, I, I love, I love training for strength. I'm really enjoying training for strength. This is the first time I've specifically trained for strength, but I'm someone who kind of needs to be constantly on the move. I grew up playing sports, soccer, basketball are probably my two favorites and that you're constantly moving. You're constantly doing something. And so I kind of hate just standing around for four minutes that's just that's too long for me. I just went a little crazy. 
So I really still enjoyed that, that first month. I felt really good, made a lot of awesome strength gains. This month, though, was a complete sort of 180. So for this one, it was instead of three days total body, major lifts, it was actually a push-pull legs workout. And the reason you do a push-pull legs is because essentially when you pull down, you are typically using biceps, you're typically using your back, you're typically using your traps, whereas on a push day, you're typically using your chest, you're typically using chest, or sorry, your chest, triceps, and shoulders are typically the ones that are being hit when you're doing any sort of push movement. So that's why you kind of split them up because you do push-pull legs, push-pull legs. And so you're able to give that 48-hour rest that we know is important for you know the back, biceps, and traps to repair while you're doing a push workout and just really not stimulating those muscles very much at all. You still are a little bit, but it's not significant. And then you're hitting chest, triceps, shoulders, and then again, legs. And now, so now you're giving time, you've given a two-day gap for you know your back and biceps and traps to repair and recover and get ready for another workout, replenish the glycogen stores that have been depleted. And so it's the perfect kind of way to kind of work with what your body already is doing by working with what certain movement patterns, how they move certain muscle groups. You're just focusing on those specific muscle groups. So I really like that. I kind of like having a separate leg day as well, where you just focus mainly on legs and, and you know that it's leg day. And obviously as, as, as guys, we kind of struggle with leg day sometimes, but I, I really have enjoyed the benefits I've seen from, from leg day. You don't, when you're at the gym and you're doing leg day, obviously you don't get the, as much of the pump in the upper body. So maybe you're not checking yourself out in the mirror as much, but, but it's still, those legs are important. Very, very important. So this one was way more my speed because essentially what, what happened here. So let's, let's take you through, uh, the first day. First day was a pull one a, by the way, there were eight total sort of separate workout combinations during this month that you sort of cycled through. And again, push, pull, legs, push, pull, legs, rest. So first day, pull 1A, and you started off, and the two main lifts that were focused on this month, and I'm wondering next month if it'll change, was the deadlift and the bench press. These were the two heavy lifts that, that we took from month one that we were building up in month one, that now in month two we are really focusing on. So, so I started off pull 1A, day one, we're starting off with the deadlift first, and we're doing what's called contrast wave loading. Okay, let me explain this. It's a little bit complicated. It took me a week or so to kind of get down how to figure this out. So here's how it works. We're, talk we're basically doing three sets, okay? Three sets of five. However, within each set, there's a 90-second break, and then you're hitting a one rep. And then you, then you take your normal two to four minutes. Then you're hitting five, 90 seconds, one rep. Two to four minute break, five, 90 seconds, one rep. It's called contrast wave learning. So this was totally new to me. I'd never done this before, but I, I found I really liked it. And it really, I think, prepares you for the bigger lifts because you're sort of building up to it. And it really helped me, I think, understand more about how important it is to warm up and how to get your body primed in a position to do a certain you know strength you can't just walk up to a bar and do a one rep max right you have to warm up those muscles you have to get those muscles firing you have to get blood flow going to those muscles so that when you're ready to perform that big lift your body has everything it needs to perform it and this kind of taught you how to do that so Essentially, you would take 80% of your one rep max, and he has a rep max calculator. So I, I just typed in, you know, from the last month, 
what, you know, hey, I did five reps of this much weight. And so it calculated out, okay, your one rep is probably this amount. So I would obviously do my warm up first, and then I would do my set of five, 80% of the one rep. Drop the weight. I immediately, you know, on my timer hat there, I 90 seconds. So usually during that 90 seconds, I was essentially switching plates out most of that time. So I, I do my five, I'm switching the plates out. I'm now putting 90, around 90 to 92% of my one rep. So there's definitely a lot of math in this, in this month that you had to figure out. So I would, you know, then as soon as my 90 seconds were done, I would boom, one rep of that 90 to 92% of the weight, drop it done. Okay. That's first sets done. So this time I as well decided I was not going to wait four minutes. I was going to wait basically two minutes and then start preparing at two minutes. So then when I actually perform the lift, it would be around about two minutes and 30 seconds of rest time. And I found this to be a really great sweet spot for me where I didn't, I didn't feel like I was standing around all the time, but I got enough rest to where I was able to perform these lifts and still build strength. So I was able to kind of find my sweet spot during this month. So then of course, the next set, I would go, now I'd up it. So now, or actually I would go, sorry, I would go back. I would hit my 80% again, whatever that was for five. I'd look at my timer. Okay. I got 90 seconds. Then I'd go flip the plates out again. And now I'm going for 95% of my one rep. So 90 seconds are up. I'm in position. Boom. I knock it out. All right. Now I wait my two minutes. Usually during that two minutes, I'm switching weights out, going back to the 80%. Boom. My two minutes are up. Hit five done 90 seconds. Now, again, I'm swapping plates out. Now I'm putting on 97% of, and he had this all calculated out. So you didn't have to do too much math. Now I'm putting 97% as soon as the 90 seconds are done. Boom. It's coming up and bam, that was it. That was my, there was my three sets. And so it's kind of pushing you. You're sort of priming using that, that first set of five at 80%. You're sort of priming your muscles to then hit progressively bigger one reps. And so I had not done a lot of one rep max type things before. So this was really fun because you got to lift a lot of weight and hit one reps, which was really, really cool. So I had a lot of fun doing this. So, all right. So you did that. You started off, you did your deadlift contrast wave loading. That was done. Now we moved into, and this is definitely more my speed because again, I'm someone who likes to be active on the move. I don't like to wait a lot. So this was circuit workouts that were essentially, essentially supersetted really. You really didn't have much rest time in between any of these. And so, for example, here we have, you know, we start off with back. And so you do lat pull downs. I swapped it out for pull-ups, weighted pull-ups, because I, I bought a new a new uh, strap that I could strap weight to my body when doing pull-ups. I really wanted, I saw doing the lat pull downs and I thought, eh, I'd rather, you know, I just have this, I have this new equipment I just bought. I want to use it. So I kind of passed on the lat pull down so I could use my weighted belt to get a few more or to, to practice that. So, and it's, it's really, there's not a whole lot of difference between a lat pull down and a regular pull up. Uh, the regular pull up tends to involve more strength in general, because you're having to use a lot of ab strength uh, to keep your body in position as you go up. Whereas a lat pull down, you're not really using your abs as much. So overall as a strength move, the pull up is better, but obviously lat pull down has, you can more specifically work the back if you don't want to target some of the abs in that. So, but I decided to swap it out because it's, it's not a huge difference. And so on this one, and the way it progressed on this one was you went from five, you would do a five rep max of something basically to then a 10 rep to then a 20 rep. So here's, and I obviously 
I'm trying to explain it the best I can. If you're a visual learner, this might be tough for you, but so I did my pull-ups for five. Boom. I, I put as much weight on so I could fail around five or right after five. So boom, I bust out. I immediately go into what's called a tripod row, which is essentially a row that you see people doing where they put their knee on the bench and they're kind of hanging off to the side of the bench and then they're pulling that weight up, contracting their lat and bringing their elbow behind their body and kind of bringing that dumbbell as close as the, you've probably seen people at the gym do this a ton. Now, I did it differently though because Jeff, again, he knows his anatomy well and he knows that if you if you do that, which a lot of people do, people don't know, where you put your knee and your shin on the bench and then you're doing your row from the side of the bench, it's actually you're asking for a hernia because you're putting your, your pelvic floor, your hips in this, in this weird awkward state where one leg is back and is stretched and the other is not really stretched or primed and so it creates kind of a weakness in your, in your pelvic area area and so that's why so many people get hernias from doing rows with their knee and shin on the bench so he recommends doing it you know going behind an incline bench putting your arm outstretched on the the top of the incline bench having a nice wide athletic stance and then essentially performing the same movement but now you're not dealing with any sort of weird hip weakness they're both contracted both in a athletic state to do those rows so just a tip for you there. Don't do your rows with your knee and shin on the bench while you're you know, bringing it up over one side of the bench. Don't do that. You're asking for a hernia. So you did your lap pull downs for five, then your tripod rows. You did 10 for that to get to failure. And then after that, the third one were underhand lap pull downs. I actually decided to do the lap pull downs for this one because I really like doing the underhand lap pull downs with the lap bar feels really good. You get a great stretch on your lats as your elbows uh, come up with the bar. really gives you a great stretch. And that one was for 20 or till exhaustion and using about half the weight from the original lat pull down that you were doing earlier. And so the key with these is you actually only had about 30 seconds rest between each exercise. So it was very much supersetting. That 30 seconds was essentially more just a transition between them. You didn't really have much time other than transition and get going. So it was very high, high intensity, supersetting, and you would go through. So I would do those three, and then I would take a two-minute break before doing it again. And then that was that completed your circuit for essentially your back. So then we went into biceps, and now this one, and whereas the the back one, you were only doing about one to two rounds. I always did two rounds. I don't know why he says one to two. I always opt for the max I can, but I guess if you, you know, we're in a time crunch, you could just bust out one. So next was biceps. Cause again, we're in the pole. So we're doing pulling movements. Biceps are a part of that. So we're going to work them here in this workout. So this one was two to three rounds, same concept. You're doing three different exercises, 30 seconds of rest in between each one. The one at the beginning being the heaviest going to five reps, the second one going to 10, the third one going to 20. So this one, for example, was strict curls with the barbell where you can't use any momentum to you know thrust your hips to lift that bar and get extension on it so that one was really tough because you just it's pure bicep work it's really taking out a lot of the other muscles from being able to contribute to really focus on the biceps then we went to the alternating dumbbell curls where you're just kind of going back and forth between uh, curling on each side kind of the the typical one you see a lot of bros doing as they stand and look at themselves in the mirror but this is a great one because again you're you're getting you know, I have some discrepancies between, you know, my right bicep is not as strong as my left. And so it, it allows you to get more symmetry and allows you to work out, 
you know, because obviously if you're doing stuff together, it's easier to be more imbalanced as one side sort of takes over. And my left side tends to take over more during certain bigger movements. So this is nice because then you get individual work on each arm. And it was great for, you know, I did a little extra work on my right bicep to try to bring it back up to symmetry with my left. And then the third one was hammer curls for 20, which again, that's more of a forearm, uh, a forearm and working your brachialis and forearm. And so you would repeat that again, two minutes in between the round. And then you repeat that two to three times and boom, you busted out your biceps third or the traps. Once again, two to three rounds with this. Once again, we're going the 5, 10, 20, 30 second rest in between. So this one was, uh, we did wide grip barbell shrugs, which I had never done before. Essentially, you're just, you're just getting some, you know, the fibers that run more outside uh, that don't run directly down. You're essentially targeting those with the wide grip. And then you had regular barbell shrugs, which you're just targeting your main traps there. And then plate trap raises, which target your lower traps, because that's those lower traps are what help with your arms going straight up which is what you're doing with the plate trap raises. So obviously I can't, you know, obviously if you have the program, you can see the visuals a lot better. He has videos breaking down every routine he does super well organized, makes it really simple. He explains all the stuff behind it in each video. So I'm sorry if I can't give you a visual, but you just have to do the best you can, I suppose. So again, that was your pull one, a workout probably took me about hour 15 minutes. I wasn't the greatest with keeping to rest times could have been better for sure. Probably would have, you know, finished in about an hour, but that's how it went. So then we moved on to the pull, the pull one a, and that was directly the next day. Cause again, if you're doing push pull, you know, you're not going to be really excessively using any of the pull muscles during push movements. So therefore you can do it the day after that's kind of the benefit of this type of training. So again, we went back to that contrast wave loading, but now we did it with the barbell bench this time. So same exact everything you're doing 80% for five sets of five and then immediately 90 seconds. And then you're doing, you know, 92, 95, 97 progressively of a one rep on the barbell bench press. So really enjoyed uh, hitting some sweet one rep maxes, seeing some, some personal PRs on the, on the barbell bench press using contrast wave loading. So that was great. Then of course you moved on to the circuit portion of the workout. This one was chest. So we did dumbbell incline bench press, for, again, the same thing, 5, 10, 20. Then we went to dumbbell floor flies and then dumbbell floor press. Again, 30 seconds of rest in between each one. He really is big on the floor flies as opposed to doing flies on the bench that you see most people doing because it puts your shoulder in quite a vulnerable position being stretched below the base of the bench that you're on with that much weight because you're typically with a floor fly, you can do a lot of weight because it's it's... it's that chest muscle that which can take a lot of load and also your your front delt taking a lot of load. So that's a lot of load to be putting on your shoulders in that vulnerable position. So he's really big on doing floor flies as opposed to doing them on a bench. So just something to note if you're doing yours on a bench, consider trying to floor fly and see if it it might put you in a safer position in the long run. So again, we did that one to two rounds of that two minute rest in between each round. We moved on to shoulders, standard overhead press, standard side lateral raises. We finished off with some pike pushups for the 20 or till exhaustion. Those were brutal trying to hit those at the end again, two to three rounds of that. Then we moved down again to triceps, which are the, now the, the only complaint I think I had was, you know, by the time I was doing my triceps, I was fried. Because, you know, when I'm doing my bench press, you're using, there's a lot of tricep involvement in the bench press. There's a, you know, triceps involved in some of these other chest movements as well. 
so man, by the time it was focused on the triceps, I was fried. I really couldn't hit much on the triceps because they were tired. I was tired. I couldn't, I just couldn't do it as well. And so that's one, I think downside and maybe something in the future where Jeff, maybe he switches, maybe he, you know, you do the tricep first after, you know, hitting the, the contrast wavelength on the bench. So therefore they get targeted more and you're not too tired by the end to be able to do them. Just, just something maybe if you're focusing on different muscle groups, you might have to, to work in which ones you do first for this type of, for the push pull, because again, you are, I'm using triceps already and shoulders already in my bench and chest movements. So can I do them as well later on? I mean, you're a little fatigued at that point. So it's, it's, it's harder to do that. So these ones we had, you know, the the standard trying uh, line tricep extensions, the gym press, which I did not like. I don't even know how to explain it to you. It's weird. And then bench dips to finish it out. So that was your pull or your, sorry, your push a for the next day. Then of course you're going right back at it with legs one a the next day. And again, we're doing our contrast wave loading, but this time it's with the barbell squat. So everything's the same again, set of five at 80%, 90 seconds, one rep break, rinse and repeat with the barbell squat. Then of course we did quads one to two rounds in that circuit fashion, reverse dumbbell lunges, dumbbell step-ups. I really like the dumbbell step-ups. Those were a lot of fun because not only are they really hard to do, but it's a very, it's a more athletic movement. And I like the more athletic, the movement, the more I typically enjoy it. And so you get a lot of explosive movement when you're stepping up and then trying to drive that knee as high as you can off of one leg on the bench is it just felt fun. It felt like I was doing, like I was an athlete. I was doing athletic movements. Then you did some, some jump squats again, same fashion, one to two rounds, two minute break in between each round. Then we moved on to the glutes and hams, which I didn't like these particular exercises as much. Uh, dumbbell RDLs, which is essentially a deadlift with a straight leg deadlift with dumbbells. And it's just tough to really feel that because my legs are really strong. And so I'd have to, you know, hold like a hundred pound dumbbells just to feel something. And obviously a lot of times your grip and your forearm strength give out before your legs give out on those type of movements that require a lot of grip strength. And so I didn't really love that one a ton, to be honest. I didn't really like the dumbbell hip thrust either because using the dumbbells, I didn't feel like a lot of the weight was really being used when I'm, when I'm pressing my butt up as high as I can. I feel like a lot of the weight was in my arms trying to keep the weights on my hips and I didn't necessarily feel a big you know, contraction there in the glutes that it was really, the weights were really making much of a difference. I definitely, in the future, I'm going to opt for more of a barbell, a barbell type hip thrust where your back is up on a bench. Cause I feel like you just get more true strength coming from your glutes as opposed to, you know, my arms doing a lot of the work during this one. Then you had some dumbbell swings till exhaustion, which I like those. Those are good athletic movements right there. And then we moved on to the calves which I didn't love. I'm not a huge fan of working the calves. So I kind of did a couple rounds of calves, but then I would kind of spend the last round doing more corrective hip and gluteus medius work as opposed to doing the calf stuff because calf stuff's a little boring for me, to be honest. And it's more, calves are more for aesthetics anyway, as opposed to real, what I really need to function day to day. So that was just kind of an example of how it went, went, pull, push legs, then rest day, then pull, push legs again, rest day, pull, push legs, rest. So you can, you, you finish this throughout the month. Now, some of the other workouts, cause you had, the only things that really changed were 
some of the workouts and some of the different pull, push, and legs changed. So for example, when you go through it again, the next time you're doing that pull is actually we did seated cable rows, we did one arm cable rows, we did straight arm push downs, which were stuff I hadn't really done much at all. I'd done maybe a little bit of seated cable rows back in college, but had never done the one arm high cable row before. Straight arm push downs are really nice. And then for the biceps, weighted chin ups, some straight bar reverse curls, some straight bar curls. So just different variations of of workouts in the, you know, so it was, it was always different. I, I appreciate that it was always different. The circuits were, 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 we're still working the same muscle groups. We're still using the same formula of 30 seconds of rest, the 10, the 5, 10, and 20, two minute rest in between. But the, the exercises themselves always changed, which was really cool, at least for the first two weeks. I think once we went back to, after the first two weeks, you went back to, you sort of repeated through them. So essentially you did you did the same workout twice about. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe three times. No, about twice. But anyway, I overall I really liked it. I enjoyed the circuit workouts. Again, it was a lot more the the pace was faster. I was definitely getting a lot more sweaty really trying to push through, you know, these five tens and twenties, definitely a little bit more hypertrophy involved, especially when you're going to the 10 to 20 range, you're not involving strength so much as more hypertrophy and more uh, cardiovascular type of fitness and, and muscle growth there. So I enjoyed sort of the mix of both. I got my strength in, I got to do my big strength lifts. Then I got to do my circuits then I did my correctives or abs or whatever. So I typically would even go in on my rest days. I would still go in and just do abs because I really enjoyed from month one those days where you just went into the gym and just did abs and a couple correctives. I really enjoyed those days just to kind of relax, take it easy, but also still hit some muscle groups that I really wanted to hit. And so I ended up just taking my rest day, going into the gym anyway, hitting some abs, hitting some correctives, not doing anything that would, again, stimulate too much muscle activation in those muscles I knew I was going to work the next day. So I, I kind of built that into my own program, taking that from month one. I didn't want to, didn't want to give that up. I really enjoyed it. So really, really had a big, a lot of fun with this, this month, really enjoyed it a lot. Saw some really great gains toward the end during some of those. And I, I will say, I did forget to mention. So the contrast wavelength did shift a little bit and how it shifted was you switched from going you know, set of five, 90 seconds, one rep. You actually switched it. The second half of the month, you actually started with your one rep at about 95% of your one rep, 90 seconds, which then primed you for progressively growing the uh, a rep of uh, six. So then you'd go, you know, 85%, then 88%, then 91%. So you were you were using the one rep to prime you to do the set of six at progressively higher weights than the 80% that you were doing the first half of the month. So that was kind of cool. I, I think I enjoyed doing more of the priming the one as opposed to the one priming the six. I thought it was a little bit odd to go super heavy, you know, that soon after before then going into more of your 80 to 90% range for your rear up a six. A little strange, but I, again, it was different and I still enjoyed it. And I still felt like I made a lot of strength gains 
especially in my deadlift. I got up to over 300 on my deadlift. I got up to 220 on my bench, which I was really excited about. And I got up to, I think, 260 on my squat. Those were all personal PRs for me. You might be hearing those and laughing at me, thinking that's nothing. But for me, that's a big deal. I've This is probably my first year I've ever done serious serious strength training or any sort of serious training at all. I've kind of just played sports my whole life and kind of went to the gym every couple of weeks for most of my, most of my life until this last year where I had the opportunity to start an actual program and get consistent. So for me, those numbers are really phenomenal and are really awesome to see. And of course I'm seeing the results physically as well. Now, of course the last week we finished off with that challenge I mentioned at the beginning, it was called the 400 challenge. Basically, we took four movements and we tried to do 100 reps of each of them at 20% of your total body weight in each hand as far as dumbbells, and you timed yourself to see how quickly you could do it. If I could go back and do this, I would do it a little differently. I got a little, so I weighed myself the morning of, and I saw I was 182, and of course, I did the math, and I, I probably should have done 35s in each hand. But I, I kind of, I think it was the math ended up working out around like 36 and a half. And so I thought, okay, well, I know I always like to go above and beyond. I always, I'm the guy who, if, if, you know, maybe that kid in science class, you were always trying to get extra credit. I'm always trying to get extra credit in PE class. <laughs> that's, that's, that's who I am. So I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going for forties then if, if, if. Because 35 is not even necessarily going to be my true 20%. It'd be like a little bit less than 20%. So I'm going, I'm going hard. I'm going, I'm, I'm doing 40s in each hand. Man, it killed me. <laughs> it took me a half hour, I think, to complete all of these sets of 100. We started off with the renegade row, which essentially you're in a push-up position with holding dumbbells and you're you're doing you're rowing, you know, back and forth, back and forth, 100 times with 40 pounds in each hand, trying to get to 100. Then we have the front squat which the front squat was absolutely brutal. And I I don't have a ton of experience with the front squat. I just recently started doing it. So it was so, so challenging to, to with the, I actually had to drop down for that one to 35s to finish because it was taking forever to finish. Those were tough. Then we went to the floor press, which I jumped back up to the 40s in each hand, was able to knock out those pretty pretty quickly. And lastly was the dumbbell power-ups, which is essentially you're holding one weight in your hand. So it's actually only 10% of your body weight on this one. You're pressing it straight up, kind of almost con- contracting, uh, abducting your, your chest together as you reached as high as you could. So it definitely involves some abs as well as chest, uh, tricep kind of movement because you're abducting your chest. You're, you're, you're pressing straight forward with the contracting the triceps as well. So it took me about a half hour. I kind of regret. I wish I could. I want to go back and do it with the 35s just to see how fast I could have gotten if I could have competed with some of these guys who their results are posted on the Athlean X page and some guy got like 16 minutes, which is insane. Well, I don't know how good his form was. Because at the end of the day, as I was doing it, I was thinking about it. Like, you know, man, I could could really kind of cheat by really making my reps as quick as possible, not really doing any eccentric movement, just trying to knock them out as fast as I could. But then I thought, what am I doing here? If, if my purpose here is to just get a number so I can 
be on these charts that I did it in this amount of time. Who cares? What does that do for me? That does like if if my goal here in the gym is to get stronger and is to build strength and is to be healthier and all these things, why would I sacrifice my ability to build strength just to get on a scoreboard somewhere that I did it faster? And I, I'm not hating on any of the guys that did because I'm sure they're beasts, but I was kind of doing it thinking I'm still going to push hard because I still want to get a good time, and that's part of the, the intensity of the workout is trying to go faster than you normally would. So there is an element where it's good to be on a time limit because then you're 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 not taking as many breaks as you would if there wasn't a timer. But I'm not going to cheat my way through these reps to get a higher number because that defeats the whole purpose of why I'm here. I'm here because I want to get strong. I want to build muscle. I want to feel good. That's a number on a scoreboard, but yet I'm cheating on all these reps and not actually getting good growth. Well, what's the point? So I had that sort of epiphany as I was doing this. And I thought, you know what? Screw it. I don't really care about the time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make each rep count. I'm going to make each one tough. I'm going to do a little eccentric. I'm going to just bust them out, but I'm going to make sure it's their good quality, full range of motion, full contraction type of repetitions because I'm here to freaking build muscle and get stronger. I'm not here to be on a stupid scoreboard. So remember that. If you're in the gym, what are you there for? Are you there to, if you're you're there to work and you're there to get stronger, then woohoo, you were able to get 10 reps. What if they were garbage reps? What if they were trash reps? What if you busted them out so fast that you really got no real, you know, eccentric movement in it to where you could get gains eccentrically, which are a big, that's a big part of muscle growth is the eccentric movement. Who cares? You accomplish nothing. Maybe not nothing, but that's a little harsh, but still I'm calling you out, I guess. And saying, man, if you're there to get stronger, forget about the numbers, forget about trying to get to this many sets or reps or, you know, I even got one point I admitted that I got a little ego and I did weight that I shouldn't have done. And I hurt my knee a little bit because I was just, I was, I let my ego get involved. I was, it was, I was too about the numbers. I was too about wanting to hit this number instead of doing what I could do really, really well with good form, good contractions, good range of motion. And I had to, I had to learn the hard way. Hey, Tim, what are you doing here? Are you here because you want to be able to tell your friends that you benched 220? Or are you here because you want to make legitimate strength gains over time and you want to you want to get stronger and you want to feel great about yourself about the way you look about the way you're eating and and change your life because if that's what you want then man lower that weight and do the reps right and that's what I did this month at least so anyway guys wanted to rant a little bit there I guess but at the end of the day, again, I would highly recommend Jeff's programs. They're amazing. If you have any more questions or anything that you want to ask me about personally, feel free to contact me. I have a Discord channel, Topics with Tim, that's public. So feel free to join that and message me if you would like to contact me further or if, you've, uh, if you're interested in this program at all and you want to hear more about it, I can give you more details. But again, guys, thank you for joining me for this pod. Thank you for listening, and I hope 
you know, I'm, I'm hoping for future gains for you, gains for me, and let's just all get gains together as a family. <laughs> and I, when I say gains, I don't mean necessarily just muscle gains. I just mean gains in growth in life. I think to me, that's what why weightlifting is so much fun in a way because I see this this progression of growth. Or a lot of times it's hard to quant it's hard to quantify. Am I growing? Am I growing in my personal life? Or am I growing in my business? Or am I growing in my spiritual walk? Or am I growing in my skill of a certain something? Sometimes it's hard to quantify if you're really growing in certain areas. But with the beauty of weightlifting and exercising in general, and it could be you could be running, you could be doing whatever. You see growth and like quantifiable growth where you say, man, sick, I'm growing. And there's something about that for me that really helps me confidence wise know and have a quantifiable way in which I know I'm growing because it's easy to just, even if I am growing a lot in other areas, sometimes I don't always see it. Sometimes I don't always feel like I am. Other people on the outside might see growth for me in different areas, but if I don't see it, then it doesn't really matter. And it's hard to see sometimes. I think our minds sometimes kind of get us to believe that we're not really growing or again, we look at ourselves and we, we, we don't see, we don't see ourselves the way other people see us and the other, the way other people see our growth. So it's nice to have just that quantifiable way to say I'm growing and I can tell I'm tracking it. It's, it's there. And I think that's just part of the human experience. We always need to be reaching, growing, pursuing, learning. Something has to be moving forward for us to kind of be happy. We have to be achieving goals. We have to be pursuing. It's just whatever the drive in us, that's kind of a part of happiness is just the journey of learning and the journey of striving. It really doesn't matter about the end goal at all because that's kind of where then you, know, you got to find something else to go do. So keep striving, keep gaining, keep growing, and I will see you guys on the next pod.